Hi, everyone. This is Sally Livingston, author of Get Over It, and you're listening to the Relationships and Revenue podcast with John Hewlin. This is Relationships and Revenue, the show where real answers come from real discussions about what holds men back in their relationships at home and in business. A better bottom line at work means improving life at home. This show is all about helping you become a better entrepreneur and a better man. Welcome back, everyone, to the Relationships and Revenue Show. I am your host, John Hewlin. So happy you decided to join us today. And I have a special guest. Her name is Sally Livingston. Sally, how are you today? Doing great, John. Thanks so much for having me on. Excited to oh, talk with you. That's great. I'm so happy to have you here today. Now, everyone, you need to understand, today's episode is our mental health show. Very, very excited about that. And I say show, and that may sound like we're only going to do one show on this. That is not the case. This is a beginning show. It also is to kind of help us work through this time of year. It can be very challenging during the holidays because this episode is going to be coming out during the month of December in 2020. And so I just wanted to bring someone on who knows much more about that than I do to be able to help all of you and me be able to not only survive this time, but to come out better on the back end of it. So, Sally, I want to tell everybody a little bit more about you. Okay. And so just so you know, listeners, Sally is a licensed marriage and family therapist. She's a speaker. She's a coach. She's an author. And she told you in the intro, she wrote a book called Get Over It. And for those of you who are watching via video, this is the book. I have it in my handy dandy little hand right here. It's a fantastic book, by the way. Excuse me. It says Get Over It, Four Steps to Breaking Free from the Stuck Cycle. And she's going to tell us about that in a little bit. All right. And besides all of that, she has a couple other titles that I think she probably holds most dear, and that's wife and mom. Absolutely. And now grandmom. Oh, and grandmom. See, I yeah. didn't know that part. All right. Yeah. Good to know. Six so, months so old. Three titles now. All right. So, Sally, now that everybody knows just a little bit more about you. Oh, folks, just so that you know, Sally's been in practice for a little while. You can't tell by looking at her, but she has been in practice for a little bit. <laughs> So she's been doing it for a while. She's not just out there just kind of saying stuff fresh out of school. She knows what she's talking about. She's got real world experience. So now that we kind of know where you are, Sally, take mm -hmm. us back. How did you kind of get your start into what you do? What led you to where you are now? And even what prompted you to write the book? Great. Yes. I, from Miami, Florida, kind of born and raised and just kind of went, was, you know, doing the thing you do, you go to school, you go to high school, you go to college. So I found myself at Baylor University, which uh, all, you know, pretty much everybody in my family went to. My dad said, you can go anywhere and I'll pay for Baylor. So that's where <laughs> I ended up. <laughs> but happily so. It was a great experience. And I was majoring, I did major in um, psychology there. Mm. Kind of experienced um, disappointment uh, because it was not exactly what I thought it would be. It was a little bit more research-based Mm. Um, it was, you know, you know, rats in the lab and deprivation scales and et cetera, et cetera. And I was the, the person who f fed all the rats and gave them all the water and messed up everybody's, you know, experiments because I just had too tender of a heart, even for a rat. 
<laughs> so I, yeah, I left Baylor and came home to Miami, kind of not knowing what I was going to do because it felt like, okay, that's my degree, but I don't really see it going anywhere. I don't want to do that for the rest of my life okay. and worked with my father in real estate for some years. Mm. And then the, the field of marriage and family therapy came along about uh, three or four years later after I had graduated and it, it was mm. the new thing. And I, I happened to, across it and thought, that's exactly what it is. I want to work with people. I want to work with marriages mm. and I want to work with families. So that, um, that got me to uh, graduate school and, and licensure and um, having three little babies in between trying to do enough clinical hours to get licensed. And, um, <laughs> you know, then just, you know, seeing people and loving it, really knowing that this was God's call for my life mm. to sit with people, walk with them through the, the good stuff, but you know, as a therapist, you don't always get the good stuff. You mostly get the hard stuff and the bad stuff, right. but it was just up my alley. I'm not afraid of conflict and enjoy helping people get through that. And so we moved, we feel like God moved us out of Miami, which we were, I was totally happy. Never thought I would leave, mm. um, but God kind of said, it's time. Okay. My husband and I together, married people don't always agree on timing, <laughs> but we, we did. So we felt like that. Okay. So we moved to Tallahassee, which is a much smaller and quieter place than we had been in Miami, obviously. <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, God had told me that he said, I'm going to take you someplace quieter because I have something new for you. I had mm -hmm. been on staff at a church for 22 years. I was the care, you know, executive director of care. And I had a lot of, you know, seminars and things that I had done and, and loved, but he said, it's time. So mm -hmm. we followed, we said yes and uprooted our kids and uh, but we saw immediately the the benefit, the blessing of that for our kids, mm. especially. Yeah. And, you know, he started pouring into my heart, this desire to go ahead and, and write something about my experiences. And um, the title, a little bit interesting, um, <laughs> came to me sitting in church one day, just, you know, if you had one thing to say to a married couple, you know, what would you say? And it just came to me, you know, get over it and stay married, be married. <laughs> get, do the work, make it happen. Because I really came to believe that, you know, most everybody, I'm not talking about some, some of the more dysfunctional and, and abusive, you know, things in relationships, but the, the normal, you know, stuff that we have in relationships can be overcome. Oh, yeah. And so I wanted to, you know, turn that phrase on its head and decided to, you know, what, how can we really get over it? So that, that's the title. That's the book. It was kind of a five-year journey to publish. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, it's been a, it's been a, a whirlwind and a blessing, a fun time. Okay. Well, let's dig a little deeper into the book. Okay. okay. So give us the high level overview of the book, what it's about, and then, then we can dig a little deeper from there. Okay. So as I said, it was really um, a desire for me to, from the clients that I had who would typically kind of you know, cycle through the same thing over and over and over again, mm -hmm. you know, try, but fail to get over it. And they would even say, I, I need to get over it, but I don't know how. Oh. So the book is, is really a, you know, um, roadmap, if you will, or a skill set that has application four steps, mm -hmm. O-V-E-R, to walk you through what it looks like to really deal with and, and move to the other side of your it. Okay. Um, so that's kind of the high level view in, in four steps to, to get to the other side of your it. Okay. Well then break that down for us. Break that over okay. down. Okay. So O is objectify and, and open up about your it. What it, what is the thing that you tend to repeat? As I said before, without success, you, you know, you want to do something, but find yourself 
lacking in the ability or the insight or the, the willingness to change and to, mm -hmm. to do the thing you know you want. So objectifying it, getting it out and opening up about it, which is to identify it from a distance sometimes. It's so much easier for people, you know, and even for me, obviously, to look at another person and say, oh, that's probably your it, um, mm -hmm. than it is for us to do for ourselves. So it's, it's, that's, a, that's one of the hardest parts of the journey, really, um, but necessary. And then the V, it's, you know, validating your experience of your it. So okay. whether your it is something that is rooted in, in childhood abuse, something really traumatic, you know, um, or it's something less traumatic, uh, though I, I define trauma in the book because I think it's important because, you know, trauma, one of the definitions of trauma is any upset. And I think hmm. we've all had an upset, an emotional upset. So it can, it can be something very dark and serious or something less like I, I don't have boundaries. I can't say, no, I'm a people pleaser. I have a hard time mm. making decisions. So whatever the, it is, it's validating your experience of it. No wonder I'm here and no wonder I feel a certain way about myself because I experienced these things that taught me this is what I needed to be or do, or based on this experience. So then we move to the E, which kind of has three steps. And it's, you know, the O and the V, I talk about this is kind of the scene of the crime where the thing happened or where, you know, and then we want to get to the ER, we want to get healthy, but so often we can't get to the ER because at the top of the E is, is you know, uh, interpreting, you know, um, evaluating our interpretations. And so often mm. our interpretations say, you shouldn't feel that way. That's silly. You need to be over it. And what happens is we slide right back down to the O and need to start over again. So if we can get to the top rung, to the middle rung, which is embracing your feelings and your experience of it, and then to the bottom rung, which is where we're you know, starting to kick off to the R, is, it, is examine my options. So mm. I have this thing that happened or this experience or this belief system from you know, childhood. I, I feel a certain way about it. I get to choose what to do with it is almost an eye-opener for so many people, though it seems so simple. Mm. When I say it to people who have been stuck, like, wait, I get options about that. Right. So that, that then fuels us, takes us to the R, which is release the old by, in order to get, grab the new, we have to release the old and then rebuild and, and renew and kind of have a reframe of where I'm going from this point forward. So that's a little bit in depth, but uh, hopefully okay. you get the picture. So I want to cover two things that, <clears throat> that you mentioned there. Um, I, I'm going to go in reverse order. When you're okay. talking about the R, the first thing you mentioned was release. Mm -hmm. In order to embrace the new, you have to release the old. Mm -hmm. My question comes to you, what about the person, or I could even say it's me. What okay. if I have this thing I've been working on and you and I have worked together and we've got to the point where we're at the R right now. It's time for release. Mm -hmm. And I do. So it's not like it mm -hmm. doesn't happen. I do. Mm -hmm. But then I do this. I let go. But as it's falling away, I reach back. Right. right. So. Does has, that happen? Is it, does it happen a lot where people are reaching back and forth and back and forth? Not as much because if you truly get to the R, it's because you've dealt with, there's going to be more recycling through the O and the V and the O and the V and the O and the V. Once okay. you kind of get the aha moment at the bottom of the E and you're ready to release it. Yes. Does it go away completely? No, but you've put it somewhere else. It's not here anymore. Oh, like okay. I say, you'll know you're over it when it's not the story you have to tell. It's not your story any longer or the filter you look at life with. Okay. Um, so it can happen and it's, there's no shame about it. It's just, you know, what happens when I'm holding two, you know, I get the momentum and I swing, but I hold, then I get stuck and I stop. Right. So we have to drop. Yeah. We'll have to, we'll have to just pick it up and kind of 
help you understand what were the fears of, you know, because it is more comfortable with the old stuff to stay with sure. it. And that's one of the reasons we don't let go or we don't get over it. So it might be appropriate to say that in the release, we may need to put it in that upper cabinet that requires like a step stool way in the back, shut the door. It's still there, but we're not really thinking about it as much at that point. Yes. We're not living our life through that lens any longer. We can, okay. we can know where it is and it's distant even, or get it will with time as you let it go, it will become the distant memory or the, I can pull it out when I need to and understand why am I still responding to that or reacting to that, but mm -hmm. it'll get less and less present. Gotcha. Okay. And in invasive. <laughs> the second thing that came to mind when you were talking was this area of feelings. Mm -hmm. Now, Listeners, you know that this show is really aimed at men. Now, ladies, I'm not leaving you out of the conversation <laughs> when I say that, because I know there are ladies who listen to the show. But I want you to understand that I recognize something, and that is this. When it comes to the area of feelings and emotions, generally speaking, women are better at that than men, partly because that's how women are wired up. Again, I'm speaking in general terms. Please don't anybody get offended. I'm not trying to pick on certain people at all. But generally speaking, men are not good in those areas. And I think primarily that's because when we are boys, we are not encouraged to explore those areas and to learn more about them. Essentially, we're told things like, you know, boys don't cry. And, mm. we, you know, we're not really allowed to... to express emotions other than I'm angry, I'm tired, I'm hungry. That's about mm. it, truthfully. So mm -hmm. help us understand this idea of the feelings and processing through that in terms of what would be beneficial for men. Yes, you are so right about that. And I think that that's one of the, you know, um, the, the understanding of what men do great majority of men that I see um, that struggle with it because there was a strong reaction to it, um, whether it was disapproval or, or a stronger you know, anger, or they've learned to carry someone else's emotions, um, whether it was a dysfunctional home, an alcoholic parent, you mm -hmm. know, anything like that, we learn to carry other people's and, and ignore our own. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's reasons for that. But I think it's so, it's such an important Thing to to grasp to understand that it, it simply because you didn't learn it it's not a genetic you know feature that you missed out on it's just right. learned behavior mm -hmm. so we want to understand also that it for, for many who have not owned their own they don't know what it is and they don't they've had a, a negative experience with expressing it oh, yeah. so to really mm -hmm. think oh it'll overwhelm me or people will be mad at me or they won't like me or it'll cause a conflict and I don't want conflict so really just kind of understanding that the that the emotional piece you know, is important to distinguish between the expression of the emotion mm. and mm. that it's not, it's, it's not going to get you to just let you, you feel what you feel. Right. Um, it will actually open you up to deciding and having ownership and, and, you know, application, you know, uh, results over, you know, what you end up doing with the feeling. So it's coming to terms with, I can feel it and nobody has to know I feel it. I can okay. say, and that's the bottom rung of the, that's the middle rung of the E is just embrace my feelings because they're just my feelings. Right. In the book, I, I do the corny 70s song feelings. Whoa, whoa, whoa. If you've yeah. heard that song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, you know, nothing more than feelings. So it's just a feeling. 
and, and really the question becomes, what do I feel? So, whoa, like, have you ever asked yourself that? You know, that's one of the ways to unlock it. And then, okay, so I feel angry. Underneath anger is always some sadness, some pain somewhere. So mm-hmm. what, am I, what am I angry about? Which is an indicator something's wrong. Right. And then what am I maybe sad about? Because it's wrong. That maybe it was wrong for me as a child, what have you. What do I want to do about it is the freedom step. I get to do something about it. Yes, I can do what I've always done, what I saw my parents do. I can stuff it and hope it goes away, which it won't. Or I can just say, huh, I don't like the way that felt. I want to do something about that. I want to Mm -hmm. talk to that person about that. I get to decide what to do about it. I get to keep Mm -hmm. it and not do anything. So there's just a power there to, you know, unlock that. But such an important step for you interpersonally, for, you know, you know, for you, for you interpersonally with, with others that you're working with, your, your spouse, your children, your coworkers, it mm-hmm. will unlock you guys to, to be able to at least go, how do I feel? What am I thinking? No. What am I feeling? Cause I'll often have them say, well, I think it's no, what are you feeling? And what do you want to do about it? Well, and that's, I have an exercise that I take men through something that I did years ago that was really helpful to me. And for listeners, for those of you who have heard this before, it's a good reminder. Let's just go with it that way. So I, I have guys to have a journal that they write in mm-hmm. and I tell them ahead of time, you're going to write in this for a year. So just lock it in, get over the fact that it's a year, just you're going to do it. It doesn't take yeah. that long, but every day you're going to actually physically write in this thing. And you're going to start with this today. I feel, and you uh-huh. can't use words like good, great, or okay, because they are not specific. So as an example, I would write down today, I feel excited. And then I would say, why? Today, I feel excited because I knew I was going to interview Sally Livingston for the show. Immediately after that, I would write down the first time I remember feeling excited was when I was four years old and we were moving from our first house to our first big house. Of course, when you're four, everything's big. Right. And my parents allowed me to help with the move, which meant I got to carry a couple of boxes pretty much is what that meant. Mm. So what that's allowing you men to do is to understand that you had a feeling other than I'm mad, I'm tired, I'm hungry. And this wasn't the first time you ever felt it. Right. So that's really important. After writing that down, you're going to write down one thing you've done well for the day and you have an out clause. Now that it has to be true for you. You have to have actually done this thing, but you're out, you're out as this you can write down that you brushed your teeth well. And I will tell you listeners, when I started down this journey with the journaling like this, the first six months that I was doing this, that was the only thing I wrote down that I did well for Mm. the day. The Mm. only thing. That's how bad of a place I was in. Now, having written that down, depending upon the audience, if it's a faith-based audience, I will say, I want you to go to the book of Psalms, And I want you to read the Psalm a day. And in that Psalm, I just want you to write anything that jumps off the page at you. It doesn't even have to make sense to you. You're just writing it down. That's all you're doing. If it's not a faith-based audience, I will say, find your favorite book of inspiration Mm -hmm. and do the same thing. Read a chapter in that book and anything jumps off the page, you're writing it down. And then wrap up with either a written out prayer for the day or an inspirational thought for the day. So, and it's a process to go through. Now, I don't have to physically write this stuff out now because I've been doing it long enough to where if I'm starting to experience a feeling that is not something that's in my normal range, 
I'm gonna like, I'll be like, whoa, hold on. What's going on? Yeah. I know I'm feeling something different. This is what it is. Mm-hmm. This, I think this is why I'm feeling it. And the real growth here, men, comes through, what do I do with this now? Mm-hmm. That is huge. So when Sally was talking before about when you get to the point where you may need to go to somebody and talk to them about something you're feeling, something that has to do with your relationship, it is going to feel messy and awkward and weird several times. It's going to feel that way. It's just, it's not going to become normal and natural to you unless you do it multiple times. It's just, it's going to take a while. It's like any new skill set. It's just, if you can remember back, however old you are, to when you first learned to ride a bike, if you did, I realize there's some people who didn't, but most people learned how to ride a bike when they were kids. When you first did it, you fell down a lot. Mm-hmm. You were supposed to. And, you know, the parents who leave the training wheels all, on all the time, you are not helping those kids leaving the training <laughs> wheels on. You are not. Right. So let's take your emotional training wheels off now mm-hmm. and let's try and help you get to the point where you can become emotionally healthy. And so that when you're dealing with stuff, you don't do the thing that most men do is we take those feelings that are uncomfortable and awkward and we cram them down inside and we push them and we hold them down as long as we can. But as Sally alluded to earlier, they find a way out. And the longer you hold them down, the worse they come out. Mm -hmm. They explode like volcanoes. Mm-hmm. And it's just horrible for everyone who's around. Yeah. So let's not do that, especially this time of year, especially, especially. during the holidays. <laughs> so that leads me into talking about this time of year, Sally. It is yes. just if if 2020 and the way that things have gone down throughout the entire world had not happened, what would be some good ways to approach the holidays from a mental health perspective? Mm -hmm. It's a great question. And it's an important thing to consider. You know, a lot of us just kind of blindly or, you know, kind of in a a numb fashion, just go to, okay, here it is. I'm going to go be, and they have an expectation of probably unrealistic that, you know, this time will be different. Um, Mm. And, you know, there's always stress related to the holidays and the idea of being with family because in, in the book, I talk about where the stuck gets started, and that's in mm. family relationship. That's chapter oh. two. And it's really important to understand that, you know, you may be uh, reviving some unpleasant memories. Um, there may be some toxic people that, you know, family members that you're going to encounter, um, you know, and, and it's just, it, you know, it kind of reminds us that we're out of control. It's an out of control feeling. Maybe we have our life ordered in the way we live, and then holiday, I'm going to go and see Uncle Joe or brother or sister or mom or dad. And we've never resolved anything. It's kind of like you said, we've got everything pushed down or, or like I like to call it lumpy rug syndrome. You oh. know, we've just got, you know, stuff under there and we try not to trip and fall. And, you know, sometimes there are landmines under there. And mm. so it's just this very uncomfortable, you know, unless you had the perfect family, which I suggest there is no such thing. Um, you are going to have some feelings about, and even if it's just, I need to be in this role because this is who I was in my family. Mm -hmm. So when I go back, I'm expected to do this or be this. So just having an understanding of those things, um, and allowing yourself to reset your expectation. I talk to people a lot about going to holidays with a different role in your head, kind of become the 
the observer, like a scientific observer. I'm going to take notes. I'm going to watch from a distance. I'm going to not engage the way I used to. I'm not going to expect a miracle. I'm just going to go and accept the limitations of my family and decide ahead of time that I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm going to be with my family. I'm going to give things. Um, so that's just, you know, a general overview of some things that, you know, the holidays brings for a lot of people, some pain and some joy. Definitely. That's, you know, that's on the, like I said, clients don't come to me to tell me how happy they are. So I'm talking about <laughs> the other side necessarily where, oh my gosh, I'm going to go see my family. What do I do? So just kind of, I talk about three P's. So the first is predict, mm -hmm. predict that, you know, so-and-so is going to say something, or this might, we, these two might get in an argument or we might, mm -hmm. you know, these things are going to happen potentially then make a plan. What will I choose to do in response to those things ahead of time? And I always have an exit plan if I need one, because you're an adult, you get to choose now. You're not the child you were. Mm -hmm. um, and then you put it into practice. So that just is a quick little helpful tool, I think, for people going mm. you know, to visit family. Oh, I love that. Oh, gosh, that was so good. Mm. All right. Now, we have to insert ourselves back into the year that we're in, which happens to oh, be 2020 boy. for any of you who are listening after 2020. Just mm -hmm. want to be clear mm -hmm. that you know what this is, the year of, oh my gosh, so many things, not the mm. least of which is COVID-19. Right. Um, COVID-19, political unrest, uh, just craziness all over, yeah. at least in the United States. I can't speak for the rest of the world, but I have friends in other places that have said they've experienced similar things like mm -hmm. in the UK, India, other places like that. So, mm -hmm. so help us, <clears throat> I guess, begin to develop some skills mm -hmm. on how to deal with this, you, the unique craziness that is 2020. Right. So talk about lack of control. I think in, in some ways it has taught us that we never were in control. Thank some you. Some COVID has, mm -hmm. right. And that we've just thought we were all this time and we had our systems and our, you know, plans and our programs <laughs> in place and just assumed that it would, you know, logically. So for a lot of people not getting to see your family this time, this particular year because of restrictions and what have you, you know, almost makes you wish for Uncle Joe, weird Uncle Joe and, you know, yep. the, the mm -hmm. hard, hard to get along with brother or sister, or, you know. But in, in fact, it really kind of could be an opportunity, though it is difficult and, and it has layered pressure and stress on every couple I've talked to, every family, Gosh, just yeah. the idea that nothing, there's nothing, you know, sacred and nothing firm to stand on. But, you know, for faith-based people, you know, we know that God is our foundation and to really um, decide that this holiday is going to be different and I'm going to allow it to be different. I'm going to shatter the expectation of what is Christmas and I'm going to make it my own. Mm -hmm. Our family is going to make it our own. We're going to do something new this year. We're not going to feel so bad about the things that we aren't doing. And we're going to focus instead on what new thing we're going to choose to do because it's 2020. And we can okay. decide for ourselves again, the three P's. We're going to predict it's going to be different. It's going to be maybe mm. strange. It's going to feel bad. But what, what are we going to put in place to, to add something new, to be adventurous, to just kind of reconfigure with what I do have, what I can control, mm -hmm. um, I'm going to put those into place and again, choose to enjoy. I'm going to choose to celebrate what this season really means and um, understand where my foundation is. And, you know, whether that's your family, whether that's God, in my case, it's God and, and really just rest there and, and make it a special 2020 Christmas. Gotcha. Okay. Well, it sounds like you're encouraging us in this whole area. It's like, not only do we need to embrace the the weird the crazy that just is 
not in unhealthy ways, but uh-huh. um, just to say it's going to happen. So mm-hmm. just kind of work through it. But at the same time, maybe even consider establishing some new traditions mm-hmm. during this time. Okay. Absolutely. It's getting over it. So you go back to the book, yeah. it's releasing the old and grabbing onto the new. We can reframe and f- where you focus is where you'll end up. So if I'm focusing okay. on what I'm missing out on, I'll be maybe unhappy. If I focus on I... the new things we're trying, hmm, I may be excited. Okay. Okay. It actually reminds me years ago uh, when I was not long after I was first married. Um, I was, I was, I was in uh, grad school and I was driving a school bus, you know, to make money while I was in grad school and the temperature had been dropping all day. So they're letting school out early. So, mm. you know, we had to go pick up kids early and drop them off, get everything put away. And the temperature dropped like 30 degrees in like an hour and a half. I mean, it got cold fast. Mm. And so again, we were young and dumb. <laughs> we decided on the coldest day in like a decade to go get a Christmas tree. Mm. <laughs> Excuse me. So Yeah. So we go, you know, just down the street to get, to get a tree. We finally pick one out. We get it home. Um, we decide, and we hadn't eaten anything. So we decide, let's go get something to eat. And again, no one's on the road. Oh, Nobody, because it's freezing cold. Everything that had been wet is now frozen. Right. So, I mean, we're slip sliding the whole way. I mean, we, we, we went, you know, maybe half a mile down the road, not very far. Mm-hmm. And we, we went into this barbecue place. And... We were the only, there were still people there. It was open, but we were the mm. only ones there. And that's how we had a tradition starting of after you put up the tree, you have barbecue. So now oh, my God. kids, all these years later, have that expectation of that's what you do after you put up the tree is you have barbecue. Exactly. That's just exactly. what you do. Interesting. I love that. Yeah. I love that. So... <sighs> Two quick things before we get to our final four, Sally. Okay. One of the things that came to mind when you were talking was, okay, you as a therapist, you you tend to see people at potentially their lowest moments. Right. Okay. And as you work with them, they start to work through things. The ultimate goal is for you to not see them. Mm. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming correct. that, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, that's, I th- at that point, that's where someone like, and you could put on a different hat at that point and working with mm-hmm. someone and you become coach Sally at mm-hmm. that point. Because listeners, for those of you uh, who know my story, part of my story is I am a coach. I am mm-hmm. both a business and a life coach. I do several different kinds of coaching, um, but I never, ever claim to be a counselor or therapist. I am neither, nor do I want to be. Mm. I don't. I was not interested in the class stats. She knows what I'm talking about. Horrible class. Right. Not interested in it. <laughs> so that's why I ended up having a psych minor rather than a psych major in college. That's not my thing. Coaching is. So coaching isn't about taking you from the depths and raising you up. Coaching helps you see the opportunities that are in mm-hmm. front of you now. So Sally gets you to the point where you're ready to be able to do that and to really start to take off in a completely new and different direction. Right. So is that something that you do at all as far as the coaching part is concerned? I am, I'm getting there. You know, it's, it's a different world when you start in a therapeutic relationship. It's not something that you can just turn off, you know, by, you know, by 
state regulation, um, <laughs> licensure regulations. You know, I can't just right. say, well, now I'm not your therapist anymore. Now I'm this. But yes, there, but I appreciate the distinction. I think that is important. And, and it is the heart of my book is getting, you know, going back to understand a tag, you know, what caught you and, and you know, maybe primed you to be stuck. What, what old jersey are you wearing from childhood that doesn't fit anymore that you need mm-hmm. to learn? To, you need to be able to see it, number one, because you're just used to it. Take it off. And then once you get past the R and you're ready to, to soar and fly a little bit, then yes, I think that is the right, you know, um, avenue to, to find a good coach that's going to help you make those next steps and take them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I know there are going to be listeners who have heard this and said, Oh my gosh, Sally is so good. Um, but I don't live where Sally does. And you're in North Carolina, correct? I'm in North Carolina. I'm also licensed in Florida where okay. I used to live. So gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, all right. That means then if you're licensed in Florida and North Carolina, that's where you can practice. Yes. However, 2020 has been weird with tele- telehealth and some states still allow, it just depends on the state and what they're allowing right now. Now, some of them have restricted it again, but when okay. in the height of it, they were basically open to help people get help. Okay. So, so yes. what that means listeners mm-hmm. is that if you've really connected with Sally and her message, what that means is you need to have a conversation with her because mm. there could be some possibilities of some um, telecounseling or teletherapy. I'm not even sure what the right terminology is. <laughs> Sally will know. I don't know. Telehealth. Telehealth. There you go. So she can help with that. Um, outside of that, if people just want to connect with you, it's like, hey, mm-hmm. she just seems like somebody great that I'd like to get to know better. Mm-hmm. Where are the best places for people to find you? Website, social media, that sort of thing. Yeah, I'm on uh, my website is sallylivingston.com. Um, you know, and I was going to say, if, if you don't, if we don't connect that in that way, maybe the book is a good start for you too. Mm-hmm. And that's on, you know, Amazon and any place you can buy books online, but I'm, I'm also on Instagram and it's Sally Snow Livingston, another story, my middle name. We'll talk about that another time, um, <laughs> but uh, at Sally Snow Livingston, I'm also on LinkedIn um, and Facebook and Twitter. So We'd love to connect and talk to you. Well, there's plenty of places to find her. Oh, we're getting toward the end of our interview time, listeners, but I wanted to make an offer to you, and that is this. If you liked Sally and you liked her message and you'd really be interested in having a signed copy of her book, there is an opportunity for you, and here it is. When you are listening to the show, I want you to take your handy-dandy little smartphone, and I want you to take a screenshot of this episode and you have to tag Sally and me in it. So best place to do that is probably Instagram. That's just the easiest way to do it. So if you do it on Instagram, you tag Sally, you tag me in it. The first person to do that is going to get a signed copy of Sally's book on me. It will come to you. So I'm leaving it out there. Do with it what you want. Yes. So there we go. All right. So now that we know how to find you, Sally, we're going to get yes. into our final four. Just okay. four, four quick questions. Just tell me the first thing that pops in your head. Okay. I'm ready. Are you ready? <laughs> I think so. All right. Here we go. Question number one. Why did God create Sally? First thing that pops in my mind to help people, you know, mm-hmm. to listen, to help, to promote him. All right. Love that. Simple, straight to the point. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Question number two. What are you reading or listening to right now that's helping you grow? 
I am, we're doing a, a study, a Bible study called Emmanuel. Um, it's a Lifeway series right now, and it is just helping me understand the importance of this season and, and what have you. Okay. And, and I'm also daily, you know, on some kind of um, my Bible app, I've got something going, some study going, you know, just something every day to really um, help me understand better who God is and how he impacts my life and what he wants me to do with, with what he's given me. Gotcha. All right. Uh, question three. What do you do for fun with your hubby? We like to drive. He especially, and I, I'm his tag along. He likes to explore new places and old okay. places. He's got a, he loves history and what have you. And so we just, especially up here, we've been here only about yeah, a there'd year. There'd be a so. bunch in North Carolina. Exactly. So, so explore. Mm -hmm. Okay. Explore. Now I'm going to take the same question, but like with your kids and grandkids, what do you like to do for fun with them? Oh gosh, just being together, just whatever comes, we, you know, play cards, um, you know, grandbaby's only six months old, so he's not doing a whole lot yet, but, um, just being together and living life together where I'm so fortunate that we are all here together. The exception really? of my parents, we are all here. Wow. So just living life together and, and helping and sharing, you know, our Livingston family, uh, post, uh, text chain is, is quite interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Very fun. Okay. All right. And our final question, what are you most grateful for? Oh, wow. You know, not to be redundant, but I am most grateful for God's love for me and his opportunity um, for me to, to be in relationship with him through his son, Jesus, and just to know and to feel the peace that comes with, with living um, as his child. Overwhelming. Thanks for listening to Relationships and Revenue. I'd love to get your thoughts on the show. Two ways you can do that give us a rating and review and or connect with me on social media. You can find me at John Dumoulin. Thanks again for listening. And remember, passion gets you started. Purpose keeps you going. Have a great day and we'll see you next time. And she's going to be able to come on here and be able to share her insights into various things to be able to help us process and work through things that come up. They could be things that come up, you know, through the news and what's going on in the world. It could be times of years, certain things that are happening. It could be transitions in life, that sort of thing. So um, I don't want to spill the beans about the next time I'm going to have her on, but it's going to be a little series. I'm going to do something that's near and dear to my heart. And I think it's really going to be beneficial. So that's as much as I'm going to tease about it mm -hmm. right now. Can't so. wait. All right. Again, listeners, thanks very much for tuning in today. Sally, thanks for being here. And we will Thank see you. you all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.